Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Going to talk to Jan Jorgensen coming up at 4 o'clock. David Locke's going to join the show at 5, so stay tuned for that. But, Gordon, let's go through some of the sound we got last night after the game. Because I think uh, there was a lot of good stuff, particularly from Donovan and Rudy. So let's let's give those a, a listen. Let's start with uh, with Donovan Mitchell. Just a couple things to to listen for. Uh, was really impressed with his accountability both for the game and the season. He was uh, very upfront. He was very honest. Um, he, he you could you could hear the drive that he'll be back. He said that multiple times. I mean, it was very you know uh, cut and dry. Uh, type of media availability, I thought. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I'm all ears. All right, here's Donovan Mitchell from last night. Hey, Donovan, I'm sure that you're feeling a lot of emotions right now uh, after such a tough loss. Uh, I'm wondering if you could take me through just that final play and seeing Mike's shot not go down. We saw you go down to the floor after that for a minute. Um, Gary kind of jumped out, uh, spun. I didn't know where he was, and... Um, made a play and then um, Mike made uh, they missed a lip and Mike came down and it looked good man but sometimes just is the way it works uh, yeah that's credit to them they made a play credit to Jokic for making the hook shot um, yeah we fought hard and came back man. I, I, I go to war with any one of these guys in the locker room any one of these coaches uh, we could have easily chalked it up in the first half and said, well, you know, but we have grit and fight. And uh, that's all you can really ask for um, as a whole. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, next question will come from Jonathan Scott, TNT. Everything that's happened in the bubble, as the journey comes to an end, what's your last words on your experience here in the NBA bubble? Um, the NBA did an incredible job. It's doing an incredible job of, of yeah, allowing us to, to finish out the season give fans ex- exposure and us to get our message out. Um, with that being said, um, the pain that's on my face right now and the way I feel, I can only imagine what's, what's going through uh, these victims' families. And I, I, I know I'm probably going to go back there and cry again. Uh, I just want to look around and just say, look, man, like, this is a game. Um, People lost their family members to police brutality and, and racism. I can only imagine. Uh, so I want to say that I want to get that out there because the way that I'm, excuse me, the way that I'm feeling right now is, is nothing compared to that. And I appreciate the NBA and everybody in this league for continuing to push that message because it's not not, not stopping. Um, I just wanted to say that um, whether we won or lost, that was going to be the first thing I said. I forgot to say I should have said it, but. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question we'll have from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, just uh, in in the wake of that, how disappointing is it that um, you know, this is a team that seemed to make strides during the season, 
difficult season, up, very up and down, a lot of things that you guys went through, and you come that close to advancing to the second round only to fall that short. Just what are the emotions that are going through your mind right now? Shouldn't even been in this situation. Um, that's where a lot of the emotion comes from. Um, there were certain, so many things we could go to as a unit, and I think that's what hurts the most. Uh, we can go to my eight-second violation in game one. Um, we can go to blowing a 15-point lead in game five. We can go to not being ready to play, not matching their level, I should say, excuse me, in game six. Um, but, yeah, like, there's so, there's, there's so many things that I just feel like we could have did um, and we didn't. And I think that's just where the hurt really comes because, quite frankly, I don't, I, I give them credit, but I feel like we, we kind of eased off the gas um, in game five. Um, and we've never really been in this situation. It comes with experience as a whole. Um, we have guys that have been experienced as a whole. We haven't been there as a unit and that's on us. And, but I just didn't think that we should have been in game seven. We had, we had multiple opportunities to be, to put them away and they capitalized and they're, they're experienced. They've, they've played in game sevens. They played in times like this and I got to give them credit, but there's certain things that you look back on. And we could have definitely capitalized to not even be in this position. Um, We'll fix it. All right, next up, Mark Spears, who's there with you. Jonathan, how do you proud of you about the message that you've used, the way you use your platform over these, these two months? How proud of the way you use your platform over these two months? Um, I'm very happy. I think the biggest thing is continuing to, to, to push, continuing to, to voice and use a voice. And um, at the end of the day, we came down here for a reason. Thank you. Um, we came down here for a reason, and um, obviously to win a championship, but to, to spread the message. We stopped playing and, and continue playing because we want to continue to preach our message, not just for the game, but uh, I'm, I'm very happy with the way things went as far as being able to come back on the floor and, and the NBA and, and the owners and us agreeing on certain things. And I, I hope this, this as these playoffs go, as everybody watches, we continue to push what's really needed in this world, man. And, um, I've, I've, I've told you, Mark, I've, I've seen both sides growing up and going to private school, uh, being a predominantly, only, predominantly white school, being the really the only one black kids in the school. I've seen both sides. I told you during the week, I had to be one kid and on the weekends when I was playing AU, it was a different kid. There's two Americans. And I felt like I used my voice in the best way possible. And I'm going to continue to do that when we go home. Um, and I just implore and encourage every, everybody that's here. They've been doing a great job just to continue to push. The more these games escalate, the more uh, they get closer to the finals and to the finals, I hope guys continue to, to use their voice because people are listening and things are starting to turn. We just got to keep, keep going. All righty. Uh, Tony Jones, The Athletic. Donovan, I know this, is, this might be a loaded question, but how do you guys go from being a 50-win, really good team, you know, year after year to, to being a contender? What, what has to be done? And, and do you think that some of that is on you uh, individually? Um, well, when we get Bojan back, um, I want to say I'm proud of everybody in this locker room because, to be honest with you, nobody picked us to even be in this situation. Um, we had pictures of what everybody, every reporter, Every single one had nuggets in four, five, six, uh, one or two had them in seven. We saw it. We used it as fuel. 
Um, and to do that without our second leading score, guys stepped up, guys made plays. Um, getting Boyan back, it definitely helped. Um, I think take my game to another level, um, being able to play both ends of the floor, you know, which I received a lot of, I feel like that was the reason why I was drafted to play defense. Um, that was that's why I was picked. I wasn't picked to do all I've been doing and I kind of evolved into that, but conditioning, continuing to get my, my body right for that next level, um, continues to build chemistry. Um, we went from being an unsalvageable team about three months ago to, to this. And I don't think anybody, anybody outside of us expected that. And I'm happy with the way we played. Um, obviously not the result, but look, man, like we, we got things that we know we can fix. And like I said, we felt like we kind of gave certain situations where we had control of the series and we let it get out of hand. And if you would have told us before coming here, we would have had control of 3-1 of the series without Boyan. Um, not to say I would have thought you were lying. I, I have belief, faith in us, but you know, it, it was something that just didn't seem I guess a team like that, too, just didn't seem as, as as real as it was. And we got down here, we worked, and everybody locked in, from the rookies to the coaches. Um, we just got to do just do more. Um, and on Boyan coming back, uh, I'm not putting everything on Boyan, but like with him coming back, it's another weapon. And um, this won't happen again. Um, yeah. Okay, a uh, question from Taylor Rooks, Bleacher Report, who's there with you? Um, I know you walked us through the final play and what was going through your head then, but once that was over, you were on the floor for a bit. Can you walk me through the emotions that you felt on the ground? To be honest with you, I'm in shock. Um, that was really it. You know, I think the biggest thing was you, we worked so hard as a, as a unit, as a whole, to, to get to a point that we got to, and we were this close. You know, it's we, we were down and came back and, and fought and fought and clawed and to be that close um, that hurts and I really know what else to do <laughs> I was exhausted um, I just kind of just laid there um, I don't know man I just um, this will be in my mind for a long time and uh, this kind of reminds me of last year being in 423 from the field I kind of feel my entire season uh, game five against Houston in Houston. The field, everything I did this year, um, it's just another thing. So oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'll be back. We'll be back. Um, but that's, that's really what that was. Uh, okay, uh, Ryan Miller, KSL. For now, what have you learned about yourself and your team having to gone through this seven-game series? Ready to fight through anything. Um, that's one thing I've learned about this team, and that's always been the case. It's, it's it's a character thing to come back the way we did and to fight the way we did. We we ready to compete through anything. Um, and myself, there's certain things I can't lie to you. I kind of I kind of was surprised a little things that I've, I've done and accomplished, but it's nothing that I haven't worked on. Um, there was criticisms of what I could do on the offensive end and defensive end, and I feel like I took a step in that right direction. Um, like I said, this won't, this isn't the last of it. This is me scratching the surface. Um, I know what I can do. I know what I worked for. I know how hard I work, and I know how hard this team has worked. And um, this won't be the end of it. And that's, that's, that's one thing. I, and that's really what's fueling me, because this ain't it. Like, this ain't the end. This ain't this is just the beginning, man. Um, 
this is just the just the beginning, and um, I'm ready to go hoop again right now. Um, I think we all are, but this is just the beginning. All right, thank you, Donovan. All right, there you go, Donovan Mitchell's comments post game and kind of a little longer form taking place of uh, of locker room clean out, Gordon. But really, what was the number one thing that stood out to you? What he said at the end, right there. This is just the beginning. That's what you want to hear out of a young player like that, who's about to sign a contract to stick around for a number of years to come, four years at least. And uh, well. I mean, in addition to what he's already got. So uh, I I think that's really encouraging for the Jazz and for Jazz fans to hear a guy who just played like he just played and to give what he just gave and to show what he is capable of doing now. Uh, I I would expect him no no falling backward from this point forward. I think you'll see Donovan Mitchell. uh, he's, He's got the potential to be better than I thought he could be. And that's saying something because I thought he was going to be pretty good, but he's he's uh, headed towards something special in the NBA. And if that's your leader, and you get the rest of it figured out, uh, that that's I mean, how many teams have superstars on them? Um, Not that many. Well, depending on your your bar there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the the big thing that stood out to me, Gordon, and we can kind of transition uh, into Rudy Gobert with this was, did you notice that big that part where Donovan used the word from the athletic piece, unsalvageable? Yes, where I he did notice he that. said they we went. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. We went from unsalvageable three months ago to here. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have predicted that. That yes. that really stood out to me. Um, I wonder how much he was talking about on the court or off the court. Was I mean he used that word? Was he specifically re- uh, referring to his his relationship with Rudy, or was he talking to about where they were as a team at that point? Maybe a little bit of both. Um, but uh, yeah, may, maybe a little bit of both. But as I was watching that game last night, Jake, the interaction between those two was a first. It was confirmation. I mean, they're in the throes of battle, right? And nobody knows how it's going to turn out. The Jazz probably thought they were going to win at that point. But those two, the interaction was clear to see. I didn't see anything close to unsalvageable in that moment. Well, that was the first time Donovan's really talked about it. Mm. I mean, he's kind of talked about it. He's, he's talked about not wanting to talk about it. Uh, he's, he's alluded to it. But he's never really talked talked about it, and that was pretty concrete right there. I thought that that really stood out to me. Yeah. Uh, let's move out. Let's move on to Rudy Gobert. Let's hear his comments after the game yesterday. Our first question will be from David James KUTV. Rudy, that game was going really poorly. What turned it around and got you back in it? I think we're being pretty good defense in the first half, but we already uh, turned it up in the second half. And, uh, you know, we're about to grind our way into uh, to this game, back into this game. Okay, next question. Uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, what's your overall evaluation of the season? I know it's hard just after a game like that, but, I mean, looking at everything that happened over the last 12 months. I mean, we, we, we want more, you know. We, the, goal, the goal wasn't to 
you know, losing the first round, obviously, but uh, you know, I'm proud of the way uh, we handled everything that happened within our team. You know, there was a, uh, I don't think a lot of teams were able to go through that. Uh, I'm talking about especially Donovan and myself, uh, you know, being able to come back and, uh, and play the way we played, uh, even though we came up short. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's very, encouraging for the future and you know obviously it's painful because you want to win and we will i have no doubt that we will but uh you know we i think something you know we started something and now we're just gonna have to finish it okay next question ben anderson ksl sports hey rudy what, what are your thoughts just on the last seven games in the in the playoffs that's our games. Yeah. I mean, we lost four three. Uh, my thought is that you know the little details make a difference. And, uh, you know, obviously it's the same in any kind of high level basketball, whether it's international competition, uh, NBA playoffs, uh, game six, game seven. You know, those little details matter and. Uh, and you know, when you look at the game tonight, it's a two-point game. So it's uh, maybe one rebound, one loose ball, uh, two free throws. Uh, you know, you, you really realize that uh, you know, the great teams are the teams that are able to uh, control those little details and, and do it over and over and over. Okay, uh, next question will be from Jonathan Scott, TNT, who's in the room with you. Everything that's happened in the bubble as the journey comes to an end, we're asking players to tell us their last words on the whole experience. I think we, the NBA, uh, really put us in a situation, a uh, uh, good situation to be successful uh, from a health perspective and uh, from a mental health perspective. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, a few months ago, when they told us about the bubble, uh, none of us were really excited about it. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy of the way we're able to keep uh, the game of basketball going at the highest level and uh, sometimes keep people safe. Hopefully, we're going to stay safe until the end of the playoffs. But uh, you know, it, it's great to be able uh, to give the fans uh, basketball, and for us, it was great to. Be able to compete at the highest level with our teammates. Okay, and one last question we'll have uh, from Tim Bontemps, ESPN. Rudy, I was just curious what your thoughts are on the way the past six months or so have played out for you personally, and kind of just the the way it's you know this journey you've been on over the past six months. Kind of where from you know being in Oklahoma City on March 11th to now, kind of what has that journey been like for you? Uh, a lot of adversity, you know, both, uh, not just for me, but for all of us, you know, uh, as a team, for the rest of the world, too, you know, it's been, uh, uh, it's been uh, some interesting few months. But um, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of the way we've been able to handle that as a team, uh, as human beings. And, uh, you know, if a few months ago, I probably wasn't in the right space mentally to go out and play with my team but uh, you know we we found a way to make it happen and you know be able to 
uh, have my teammate support uh, through the last last few months, especially since you know since we went to bubble and after everything that happened. Uh, you know, it was really something that lifted me up, and uh, and I really tried to you know give everything I could for this team, and you know became a chore, but. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, we're going to win a championship. It might be painful right now, but uh, I'm guaranteed that Donovan's going to come back better. I'm going to come back better, and uh, we're going to do anything we can that it's in our power to uh, be a better team next year. Okay, thank you for your time, Rudy. There you go, Rudy Gobert, uh, his post-game comments slash locker room clean-out comments uh, from last night. Gordon, what stood out to you there? Well, what's, uh, he said, we started something, now we have to finish it. Uh, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty – those are optimistic words for the Jazz's future, at least as far as the, 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 the frame, the mindset of of the star players. You heard Donovan Mitchell say similar things. Rudy Gobert says it now. Um, those are your two main players, and they're they're not done yet. Uh, I think that's the way they feel, and uh, that that's good because it's one thing to be to suffer defeat the way the Jazz did. I mean, they blew a three-one lead in this series, and to suffer that kind of defeat is difficult. It's a difficult thing to do, and it'd be very easy just to melt into a puddle of, you know, just sort of pathetic. Uh, just sadness and instead these guys are talking about okay this is what this is tough right now but this is what we're going to do next and it's one thing to say it and not mean it but it's another with two guys who work pretty hard i'd say and are pretty driven to move ahead with that kind of determination extremely positive for the jazz Okay, coming up at 4 o'clock, we've got Jan Jorgensen. Coming up next, uh, RSL has a new oh, or a new uh, operator, president, for now, and he's a familiar name. We'll talk about it coming up next. Stay tuned. Uh, it's a big show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Talking a lot of football and basketball today. Uh, Jan Jorgensen on at 4. Uh, we'll have David Locke coming up at uh, 5 o'clock. Get his thoughts on the conclusion of the Jazz season. But let's talk a little soccer for a moment, Gordon, shall we? We shall. Uh, we know that uh, RSL is in, uh, I guess, transition, for lack of a better word. Uh, Deloitte Hansen is committed to selling the team. Um, this also includes, by the way, the Real Monarchs. And the the um, oh, why did I just go blank of the Utah Royals. Oh, the Royals, excuse me, of the NWSL. Uh, so selling all those properties, and uh, we found out yesterday that Andy Carroll, who was uh, chief uh, business oper- officer, something along those lines for RSL, was uh, also uh, stepping aside amidst his own scandal. And uh, today we find out, Gordon, that, uh, in fact, uh, our old friend John Kimball is going to be taking over, at least in the part-time of RSL operations, effective immediately, according to Major League Soccer. Now, John Kimball was part of the original executive team that started Real Salt Lake with, uh, uh, you know, under Dave Checkett's. Uh, He left, Gordon, I want to say, in 2013, 
Uh, he joined Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment in 2015. He was actually our uh, boss for a couple of years, uh, Gordon. John now is head of Vivint Arena and does a, a terrific job doing that. Can you imagine taking over operations of, uh, of a sports arena, you know, concerts, et cetera, Gordon, uh, only to have COVID-19 hit? I mean... Welcome to the job. (laughs) Welcome to the gig. Uh, But anyway, so John now is temporarily uh, stepping down from his duties here at the arena and is going over to run uh, Real Salt Lake. Now, let me just read some some comments, uh, Gordon, and then I want to get your thoughts. Uh, This is from... MLS Commissioner Don Garber said, quote, John Kimball is an experienced sports executive who brings extraordinary leadership and stability to the organization. John was instrumental in the launch of Real Salt Lake and has deep connection to the local soccer community. We thank the Miller family and Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment CEO Steve Starks for their support during this important transition period. Uh, Steve, uh, for the the jazz part, and let me uh, find uh, this exact quote. The jazz released a a comment about it, Gordon. Uh, Steve Stark said, he said, quote, we care deeply about the success of Utah soccer, both in the short term and in the long term, and are happy to offer our support. We have committed to Mr. Hansen and the leagues our willingness to be helpful during this transition, unquote. Uh, first of all, your thoughts, Gordon, and then we'll get in, we can dive into people's uh, theories in regards to this whole thing. But what do you think? You want my opinion? My opinion is that this is a major step up. I mean, we I, we we know John Kimball, and we know what was there before, and uh, I think that is a, a major upgrade. So that that's good for. That's good for soccer, professional soccer in this state. So we'll see where it goes from here. What's the next? What's the next step now? Well, I agree with you, John. John's awesome, and he was he was, you know, he poured his heart and soul into that RSL franchise. So I, I'm sure going back is a great thrill for him. I and I think it's great that uh, the Miller Group is cooperating for the better of of sports in this community. I think that whole uh, whole thing is awesome, and he'll do a great job. John will, but now everybody, of course, Gordon is saying, "Ooh, does this mean that uh, the Larry H. Miller Group is going to buy RSL?" And you know, Steve in his comment when he says, "We care deeply about the success of Utah soccer, both in the short term and." In the long term, <laughs> obviously, is not doing anything to uh, to quash uh, people speculating. But it, it's really no secret. In fact, your Salt Lake Tribune reported last week that the Millers have already expressed interest in, in possibly buying the club. So that really shouldn't come as a surprise. Well, I don't know whether they will or they won't. Uh, but I will say that they are well positioned to do it and to do it well. Uh, they know this market. They know how to run a sports team. They know how to make it work. They know how to make it profitable. And they they know how to put a, a good product out there. So uh, it, I thought it was interesting in, in uh, the various interviews of the players how they and, – and I think this is true for across the club and the employees. They want a passionate owner that wants to win. And that describes Gail Miller, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, about as well as you can. And so that would be that would this would be a major, major upgrade all the way around, not only as far as ownership goes, but also the resultant stuff that you would expect from quality ownership, which would be terrific management, uh, terrific coaching, uh, everything. 
uh, not to mention the business side of it. So, yeah, this is, and I don't know whether it's going to happen or not or whether somebody else is going to get, I don't know. I don't know, but I think that would be something RSL fans, and by the way, RSL fans are super passionate, man. Those, if they if they could get uh, ownership and management as passionate as the fans are, oh, man, then that would be a, a match made in heaven. So, and I think it would be. Well, I wonder if Major League Soccer is going to be a little more choosy about who they sell the franchise to. And I would guess that the Miller Group would be very attractive from that standpoint for the reasons that you lay out there. Well, but- stability. Look at the way the Jazz are viewed around the NBA. You talk to various uh, owners and, and uh, managers, and they, they all speak highly of the Utah Jazz. Yeah. But we we do know that there are going to be other interested uh, parties out there. I mean, some more public than others, obviously. And Major League Soccer is probably going to, you know, eventually go with the highest bidder. But uh, if they're, you know, looking or being choosy about uh, who they bring into their, you know, group, I'm sure the Miller Group would be very attractive from that standpoint. You know, yes. very successful. They know yep. what they're doing. They can step right in immediately and and won't miss a beat. I I think I'm sure that there was a learning curve with Deloitte Hansen getting into it, and there wouldn't be one. You wouldn't think anyway if the Miller Group took over. Well, Deloitte was still learning. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm not saying that he, critically. He, 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 I'm just he, saying he, that in this situation, that wouldn't be a factor. Right. He, he Deloitte made so many mistakes, and his the people he hired, some of them were just didn't know what they were doing. I mean, to, to, to lack the kind of experience necessary to run a team uh, with, with, with the right steerage uh, was just absent at times. There were a lot of really quality people who work for RSL, but at the top, it was weak. And so that would not be the case under this scenario. And I don't know whether that's legitimate or not. I don't know what direction this thing is going, but well, I guess we're going to find out as time goes by. Yeah, and the fact that they have a, a great facility to play in, you know, a, par- a partnership with Sandy City down there probably makes it pretty attractive. You know, the Deloy, uh, you can he he received some criticism where he invested in the club, uh, but he did build those facilities, Gordon, out there, and uh, you know he's uh, who was it? Uh, um, I keep wanting to say Brian Erlacher because he's in the news, but that's uh, J.J. Watt. Uh, when he talked about his interest in, in buying RSL and his wife is a professional soccer player, he talked about the facilities for the Royals and how they're just mm-hmm. amazing. And and they did p- p- pour a fair amount of resources into the infrastructure of the soccer program, not just Real Salt Lake. And I would guess that there's some value there. I had a, I had a buddy who I was talking about with this, his speculation. This is just a friend, by the way. This isn't somebody in the industry. But he wondered if, uh, like, a an international soccer club would be interested in purchasing RSL just because of the facilities in kind of a, a, a way that we've seen other international soccer clubs use Major League Soccer as a you know a, a real farm system. If the uh, the infrastructure of everything there would make that attractive to somebody overseas, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether that's uh, in play or not. Uh, but getting back to what you said about the the Lloyd did do some, do he did some positive things for the team. He just came in and he took over, and I think he assumed that he could run things a certain way. That uh, some of his decisions were just bad, and uh, it, but 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 he made some good decisions too. And investing in the team, the facilities, like you talked about, those were 
or positives. Now if they can just get the right attitude about what to put on the field, on the pitch, and, and who, to, who to sign, who not to sign, who to make those decisions and make it work, and who to make the right business decisions. Uh, it's just, it, there's some potential there with that team. And uh, I, I've, I've always been somewhat bullish on professional soccer in this country. I know some people hate it, some people love it, uh, and some people are in between. But I think it does have terrific potential and will continue to grow if it's done right. And I, I think certain potential owners know how to do it, and some former owners don't. Well, I don't. I we could debate you know, major league soccer and if it'll ever be you know one of the big sports in this country. I honestly have my doubts. But one thing I do know about it is it's a never gr- say never. I got you, but but I've been hearing that for a while now. Um, but what I do know is that going down to an event, to a game at Rio Tinto Stadium, whether you're a diehard soccer fan or not, is a great experience in a very similar fashion to going to a bees game at the ballpark. And, you know, the, the Miller Group, if we want to bring the, the conversation back to them, they know about running a franchise at every level. And they'll take advantage of revenue streams at every level. I don't. I guess my point is, I don't know if Major League Soccer is ever going to get zillions of dollars from their television contract. It might just not be in the cards. But what they can do is put twenty thousand people in that stadium down there. Yeah, and, and they can and they can sell about five thousand of those fans beer, and they can sell <laughs> exactly. you know eighteen thousand of those fans food. And they can make a real great experience with, like they have with their other entities. Yeah, and we don't, uh, you know, we're not, we're not here to promote one thing or another. We don't really know how this is all going to play out. But I do agree with you that they have the management in place and the know-how to make it work. And yeah, they'll some just, of the, they'll just plug some PK careless, in, man. Some of the some of the careless mistakes that happened uh, prior to will be avoided. I mean, nobody's perfect. Uh, there are going to be some mistakes made, made along the way. But I, I, if this, if that were to become true uh, and a real thing, then, then RSL can go back to feeling pretty good about uh, its product uh, out on the field, uh, much the way it was uh, when Dave Checkets was still involved. Well, you're just going to steamroll my PK joke? That wasn't cool. What do you mean, PK? What, what was I PK made a PK doing? joke right there, and you just what, you just smashed you, it right into the ground. What, tell me the joke again. You, you, I'll they, tell you whether they, it was they funny. They have the, the what, executives to plug in to succeed over there. And I said, yeah, you're going to plug PK in. Why would they do that? Because PK knows it all, man. That's why it's a joke. What do you mean? No, I don't think that RSL, they're going to pluck the radio buzzo no. from the morning and put him in charge. You just make it a PK joke. Why are you picking on PK? Because I think it's funny. Just because he cleaned your clock this morning on the golf course doesn't mean you got to go after the man. Now. I don't think he cleaned my clock today. Okay, let me say it this way. You got over here, Jake Scott. And you got over here, Patrick Kinahan. And they're going out golfing together, and they're keeping score. They play 18 holes each day for a week. I am betting on PK every single round. 
I good for you. But we played nine holes today, and I don't think he beat me today. You beat PK today again. We were kind of loosely keeping score, but yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure I beat PK today. Or or at uh, very least, it was close. I certainly had one more birdie than he did. Uh, well, okay, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, but I yeah. mean, you're 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 hot one minute and you're freezing cold the next. I played pretty well today, except for the ninth hole. That was that was the only if if PK caught me today it was on the ninth. But I I don't know. I didn't ask what his score was. We weren't My really playing competitively. PK. But I oh, it's easy to say it was close. We're not keeping score. Come on. I no, honestly, I don't think he beat me. And I was kind of keeping score. I was three over until the ninth, and I had a double bogey on the ninth. And so. were you were you keeping his score too? No, I wasn't. But you know, I'm you're not a, one of those guys, are you? No, but I'm paying attention. <laughs> You know, when when PK gets a par, I say nice par. I know no roughly like I know the people the guy, I'm playing the... with when they're having a good hole. I'm aware that they're having a good hole. But I'm not one not, of those golfers not... that has my head so far up my own backside that I don't realize what else is going on. But you're, but you're are you the guy who when they when you say what's your score four? Uh, that was really a five. Come on, you're not that guy, are you? Uh, when I know, I'll raise an eyebrow. I don't know if I'd be like, come on now. But, yeah, I mean, I've noticed that before. <laughs> I've noticed that with people on this show before. Oh, get out. You've golfed with Austin? No, I've never played with Austin, actually. Why are you going to tell a lie like that? <laughs> I'm not telling a lie. Well, that's just, not true. That's doing, never happened. I'm just raising an eyebrow, bro. Yeah, that's get all. Out of here. That's You're all I'm doing. It. That's never happened. Just raising an eyebrow, time. bro. Get all out I'm doing. PK crushed you this morning. <laughs> Say it the I, way it is. No, give him a text. He certainly didn't crush me. I'd say three or four strokes is a good, healthy crushing. It was. It definitely wasn't three or four strokes. If he beat <laughs> me at all, you. it wasn't this a crushing. Is, text him. Competitive I, side coming out. This is great. No, seriously. I, I, PK is a better golfer than I am, and he's beat me way more than I've beat him. But I, when, I probably. That's beat what him I'm today. saying. When did you ever beat him? Oh, I've beat him before. This wouldn't be the first time. Like when? Ten years ago? I don't know, Gordon. When I play a lot of golf with PK, what do you want? Win. Okay. He's pretty good. He is good. But, I I mean, Gordon, I'm not great, but, you, but I, paid, I, paid, I play well once in a while. He paid, paid you, you played a compliment. What? He paid you a compliment when I talked to him about your game. He said Jake hits it a long way. Uh, okay. Well, you've played with me a time or two. You know I'm not worthless out there. I know, but I thought you sucked. Wow. What is going on here? Uh, do we have kidding. to ha- come on? Do we have to hash something out in the break? When did you when did you become such a literalist? Now I was not, kidding. The fact that you think it would just be outrageous that I I could ever beat the great cat Patrick Kidd. He's a good golfer, but he's 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 vulnerable. <laughs> Jeez. All right, but if he beat you by three strokes over nine holes, that's nothing to brag about. Oh, he didn't beat me today. That's what I told you. <laughs> Let alone by three hole by three strokes. Okay. Oh, he mopped the floor. How would you know? I want. I want to get PK on the line. I want to find out whether uh, whether you've ever beaten him. Uh, okay. I, I want to know. Of course, he's probably out on the course again, so we probably can't get a hold of him. You can ask him. Sure. Hey, Lundy, why don't you give PK a call? Oh, we've got to go to break. Uh, we've got uh, Jan Jorgensen coming up with us at 4, David Locke at 5 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. I didn't mean to insult you, Jake. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Oh, the feelings are beyond hurt, pal. (laughs) 
Un- unsalvageable. Is that, the, a, is that the, uh, the theme of the day today? The big show is unsalvageable. It's, it's, it cannot be salvaged. Uh, join us coming up on Friday from 2 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West, right there in Salt Lake City. Their new location. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. More big show straight ahead, 97.5. Uh, jakey, jakey, jakey. I was just kidding. Come on. 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We're going to talk to Janet Jorgensen coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour, former BYU great and current defensive coordinator at Snow College. We'll talk to him about the upcoming college football season. Uh, we'll talk to David Locke at the top of the 5 o'clock hour and uh, get to David's thoughts on the season as he's had a few hours now to uh, decompress. Did you ever see Jan... In the uh, in the cage, yeah, a few times. I never, I never have seen that, but uh, I imagine he would be fairly impressive. You know, I I am not a fight aficionado, nor am I really a fan, to be honest. So I didn't entirely know what I was looking at, but uh, it looked good to me. And I always <laughs> thought the concept, you know, Jan was an NFL athlete. I mm-hmm. I honestly think there were some other factors that uh, kept Jan from actually playing in the NFL. But, you know, he had the athleticism to to play at that level. I always thought that. And so you take that level athlete and focus him in a different sport, uh, he might be pretty good at that sport. Yeah, I, I imagine knowing his mindset, his toughness, and his overall athletic ability, I think he, he had he chosen to continue to pursue that, I think it would have been uh, a whole lot of fun to watch. You know what? I bet he's a heck of a coach. Um, Jan's just a, he's a great communicator. He's, he's, uh, he identifies really well, uh, I think, with people. I'm sure he, he does with young people. He's got a lot of energy. I'm sure he's doing a heck of a job down there. All those things true, and he's a good soul. And uh, when it comes to coaching – I think players really respond to someone who's authentic, someone who's genuine, and somebody who cares about about their welfare. Plus, he's from and... Helper, you know. <laughs> he is Utah. He's Helper, you know. That's that's authentic right there. He's small well, town Utah. Yeah, I really like Jan, and he's a, he was a friend of our family, my family for a while, and uh, really enjoyed having him him around. And uh, I I guess. Well, I can tell this story, but I've told it before many years ago, but it always, it always cracked me up. Jay Drew and I are, are it's during one of the, one of the bowl games down there in Vegas or whatever. And we're, we were walking around and, and we were in one of the casinos walking through and we see Jan's dad with uh, Jan's jersey on BYU. I think it was 84, wasn't it? Uh, Jan's number? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, he's walking around and, uh, you know, being gregarious and really friendly the way he was. And uh, I think he had uh, I think he had a Bud Light in each hand. Papa Jay did. Around. Yeah. It was just funny. You know, not exactly what you would expect to see with someone wearing a BYU jersey around. I know, but Papa Jay's an extrovert, man. I like that guy. I oh, met him, I I met him a couple nothing. of times. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Just like uh, just like everybody in that family. Yeah, absolutely. Did we ever get figured out uh, whether Jan was as smart as his older brother? Was it JT? Uh, uh, Jorgen Jan's. 
What was it? What was this? his name? His older brother. Oh, now you've got me doubting it. JD? Yeah, JD Jorgensen. Played at Utah. He did. He was a tight end. In fact, Jan Jorgensen was supposed to go to Utah. But then uh, Ronnie Mack got fired while he was on his mission. And then he was going to go. Was he going to go to Kentucky? He or was. Something? He was going to go to to, uh, to Kentucky, and uh, and then that didn't. You know, Ronnie uh, Ronnie Mack came back here to coach uh, at Weber State, and so Jan ended up at BYU, and then he ended up the all time uh, Mountain West sack Conference leader. sack leader you know? in only like two and a half seasons. Remember that because then all of a sudden uh, was it Jaime Hill who decided Somebody you know what up the <laughs> you know what Jan we know you're the best pass rusher in the history of the conference <laughs> but we want you to go out there and stop that run ready break <laughs> see that's what I'm talking about man how frustrating would that be for a player oh, it'd be brutal it'd just be brutal that'd be, that'd, that'd be like uh, having yourself a, a perfect pro style quarterback having a coach come in and say you know. I think we're going to run the option. We can get the triple option going, all right? Let's get out there and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. no, I always – and it didn't work out with Coach Hill uh, as the defensive coordinator. He was a good, uh, you know, defensive backs coach, but didn't oh, work out mean, with him as a coordinator. You mean the fact that he was replaced uh, early in the season by uh, the head coach who decided he would take over the defense from that point forward? Uh, in fairness, though, Bronco did do that twice during his run at BYU. What was the other one? Oh, man, this guy who's still with him at um, Howell, the guy who's still with him at uh, UVA. Uh, mm. You know what I'm talking about? What was his first yeah. name? Uh, but, yeah, he was a defensive coordinator for a brief period until Bronco was like, you know, I, <laughs> I, think, got this. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, coach the defense again. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of that scene from Remember the Titans when, uh, remember uh, uh, the head coach, Played by Denzel uh, says to the the uh, the coordinator, "Hey, if you don't get that straightened out, I'm taking over or something." Oh, man, I wonder how often that goes. I mean, you know, I think those conversations on the sidelines in the locker room probably be pretty interesting. Well, I think head coaches that take or or coordinators that take head coaching jobs and then retain control, I think have a tough time letting go. And then when they do let go, they kind of want it back. <laughs> like Mike Leach, does he has he ever had an offensive coordinator? And can you imagine the poor son of a gun that had to be his offensive coordinator? The worst kind of situation you can find you in find yourself in with a boss is trying to guess what he would do in order to keep your security in your job. Uh-huh. I think there's a when lot you're of guessing that. what that guy wants <laughs> instead of what you want. And not sure that that's going to line up. That's usually fairly uncomfortable. Uh, for I think there's a lot of that that goes on in the coaching world, mm-hmm. probably in the world in general. All right, Jan's going to jump on with us next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.